Thank you for listening to your favorite team's Locked On podcast. In the following special bonus episode, our experts reveal your team's first pick in this year's draft as part of our ultimate NFL mock draft special, along with trades and reactions to each pick. Afterwards, check out the rest of the opening round episodes on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. All part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On's 2023 NFL Mock Draft Special, the most comprehensive mock draft, with local and national experts providing insight and analysis you can't get anywhere else. Don't miss a single pick as we discuss where the future stars of the NFL will call home. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is time for the finale of the 2023 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. What has been the most comprehensive mock draft you will ever find. Even bigger this year. Now episode 6 of the series to take you through the end of round 1 and into round 2 and 3 for the first selections of every team that did not have first round picks in this mock draft. All 32 teams we heard from, college hosts we heard from, uh, we'll continue to hear from those teams and check in on the war room where the, some of these trades were hashed out, where some reactions are coming from when their competitors make those selections. And of course, all the local experts here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we will hear from Locked On NFL Draft co-host Damian Parson and of course the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino of Locked On NFL Scouting to give their analysis of all of the picks here in round one and beyond. And then there's us, the hosts. I am Brian Peacock, NFL analyst, co-host of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show and Locked On 49ers podcast. Here with me, our co-host of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, former NFL scout Matt Williamson. Glad to be back here finishing up another year of the mock draft, Matt, and Keith Sanchez, the newest edition of the booth here as we roll through the mock draft. Team scout for LSU Tigers championship team and the other half of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. I'm super psyched to finish this one up. It's been really fun doing this with you guys. Matt, doing it with you again. And Keith, getting a chance to do this for the first time. This is awesome. Let's finish this up strong. Oh, yeah, let's finish this strong. I think this is where we start to see a couple more trades, right? You see value, value, value. You see those teams possibly at the top of the second round want to move up just a couple more picks to get in that first round that they, you know, for a guy that they may have circled. So it should be some exciting stuff going on. Yeah, and Matt, I know you have a list of your best available here as we get to the end of round one, but first we've got to make that announcement because there's a different team picking at 29. This was the pick that belonged to the New Orleans Saints. They have moved out of round one now, and we already saw the Seattle Seahawks make three picks in round one, but we're going to see the Detroit Lions now make their third selection in round one. They are not done, and Matt Derry moving into pick 29. The Lions get pick 29. The Saints get two second rounders, pick 48 and 55 to move out of the first round. So, Matt, I've got to ask you, who's the best available? Who are the Lions moving up to get here at pick 29? Well, my initial thought, just, you know, reacting to that is, do they follow Seattle's lead and make a third pick a quarterback? You know, I mean, they're, they're, it's a team trending the right direction. Hendon Hooker would be great to have that 50-year option. He wouldn't even compete with Goff this year. You know, trading in the first round is often for a quarterback. I think Nolan Smith's the best player available. If I were to give out grades, he would be clearly my highest-rated player. Uh, There's two tight ends. There's your choice of off-the-ball linebackers. There's your choice of interior offensive linemen that I think are quality players. And Brian Brisset is a guy that we mentioned last time that I like a lot. He may be my second-highest-rated dude that's still available. And I know running backs don't go early, but Jameer Gibbs never gets talked about because of Bijan Robinson. He might be a superstar this year. I appreciate that shout-out for Jameer Gibbs, man. Uh, I was going to mention him later, man. I think the, the Lions can possibly go corner, too. Like, we've seen a couple yeah, corners yeah. come off the board. But this is a, a situation where, historically in drafts, corners start to fly off the board, right? The end of the first round into the second round. So, I wonder if they identify the guy, they're going to draft the corner, try to continue to build on this defense. Well, let's find out. The pick is in. Pick 29, it is Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. Moving up for who? With the 29th selection in the first round, the Lions here in this Locked On NFL Draft move up to draft Osiris Torrance, the big guard tackle 
from the University of Florida. Lions certainly have some questions at right guard. Will Halapulavati Vitae coming into the season be healthy enough to play? They've got Graham Glasgow as some insurance, but adding a guy like Torrance, a dominant and probably the best interior offensive lineman in this draft, and getting him at number 29 is a no-brainer for Detroit to move up to land. Osiris can play alongside Frank Ragnow and Panay Sewell for many, many years to come. And don't forget, Jonah Jackson is a free agent after this year, and if he bolts for free agency and is too expensive, the Lions could put Torrance at left guard if need be as well. But Osiris Torrance with the Lions at number 29. Going big are the Detroit Lions going twice to the defensive line, now to the offensive line, getting big guard Osiris Torrance. Uh, I want to go to the war room and find out why Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints moved out of pick 29 in the thought process here before we talk more about Osiris Torrance and get to the rest of round one. So I made the decision to trade back and do something that the Saints haven't done in nearly 20 years because the positions of need that I have, I now have selections for the Saints at 40, 48, 55, 71. I've got four top 100 selections here and a 115 with some with a pair of fifth round picks that I could try to move up if I wanted to get another top 100 selection there. <laughs> I feel that with my biggest needs being defensive tackle on the interior and then potentially interior offensive line as well as linebacker, um, that I'm in a good position here and to maybe be able to get a luxury pick later with like a, a Jalen Jaden Reed or a, you know, one of these other tight ends in this year's class, like a Sam Laporta or something like that, and be able to find somebody in that second round to be able to do it. But having three second round selections in a talented class, uh, in a talented and deep class where I have the most needs, uh, was a really, really appealing situation for me. Matt, what are your thoughts on the Saints process here? Last year, moving up and trading future picks and and trying to add as much high-end talent and going the other direction in this draft, trying to add more quantity to their roster. Yeah, I like what Ross did here because I think you get a lot of picks in the sweet spot of the draft, and, and the Saints could use a lot of things. You kind of mentioned it. Last year, they went all in to go with those two first-round picks. I think the year before that, they only had four draft picks. Maybe that was two years ago. But they have not brought in a lot of quantity. It's been a lot of quality. And I think that that's, you know, something they need now. It's depth, young, cheap depth. I'll, and I'll piggyback off of that. I'm glad Ross took this way because usually the Saints move up to try to find an edge rusher, right? Mm -hmm. And then they just haven't worked, whether that's Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, it just haven't worked. But trading back, and I agree with Matt 100%. We didn't even talk about this pre-show, pre right? That the sweet spot is in the second round, and then now Ross has three of those second-round picks. He can possibly find an edge rusher, then find an interior defensive lineman, and then find a linebacker, and they're all appropriate value picks um, in that second-round select area. Yeah, need, need a lot more uh, cost-controlled, cheaper talent there uh, to that uh, to that salary role for the the New Orleans Saints. Um, thinking of the the pick for the Lions, though, it was Osiris Torrance. Let's check back in with Brandon Olson, who's got inside info as the host of Locked On Gators. Someone say best interior offensive lineman in the NFL draft because. I did. Osiris Torrance out of the University of Florida presents physical tools that you don't find very often, as well as production at the position that you don't find very often. I'm Brandon Olson with Locked On Gators telling you about Osiris Torrance out of Florida, the all-American guard that, yes, operated in a zone-blocking scheme. He, he can handle that. He also can handle pretty much anybody as a pass protector, not allowing a single sack in four years in college. He did it at Louisiana for three years and then went to the SEC and said, hey, guess what? I could do it here too. His physical power is just raw and unbridled energy. You just cannot match it. Osiris Torrance is the best interior offensive lineman in the draft that can fit in any scheme, truly scheme versatile. Two the Locked On NFL Draft Show, we go again. Co-host Damian Parson. How about that fit in Detroit for Osiris Torrance? The Detroit Lions selecting Florida offensive lineman 
and interior offensive lineman, Osiris Torrance, a big physical man on the interior offensive line. I talked to this young man. He's a, he has a great character, like incredible work ethic. But you see on tape, not only can he handle twisted stunts, and he dropped weight down in the senior bowl to, to improve his footwork and his lateral agility and quickness, but he's so strong. There's reps of him blocking not one, but two guys, two runners, free runners, towards him with one with each hand. He's going to bring an attitude and juice to this offensive line, which is already one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. They're going to improve their run game, especially by adding Osiris Torrance. Another trading pick and potentially another trading pick, guys, because we've got more conversations about pick number 30, the Philadelphia Eagles fielding offers, it sounds like, for their selection at the end of round one at pick number 30. Uh, looking around at what we've got, we already talked about the best available players and probably not much has changed. I think Osiris Torrance was one of those guys. Nolan Smith still out there. Um, there's some other offensive linemen, some other corners that could be selected here. Um, and now it looks like, guys, uh, it is official. There is a trade happening uh, at pick number 30 in this draft. It is no longer going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. On the clock now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming back up into round one to make a selection. Now, if you remember, Tampa Bay went and got a running back in Bijan Robinson earlier in the round. Uh, I wonder if there's a player that they were considering at 19 that it was still on the board for them at 30 and who that player might be. The trade is officially Philadelphia gets 50, 175, a third rounder next year for this pick at the end of round one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving out. Uh, the Tampa Bay moving air, Buccaneers moving in and getting themselves a pick at the end of round one at pick number 30. What do you think, Keith? Uh, who's there for the Bucks at third? Yeah, I'm, I have two thoughts. One is cornerback, right? Because we this 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 cornerback room has been well documented as underperforming over the past couple of years. So I think this cornerback, or maybe they go offensive line, maybe here. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the show, right? When they when they selected Bijan Robinson, that they could have went offensive line. So I'm thinking either cornerback or offensive line. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, tackle would make a lot of sense. I was kind of critical of not of them not going tackle. Um, Harrison, maybe Dewad Jones. Um, but I keep bringing up Hooker. I mean, you're traded back in the first round and your quarterback needy. Hooker would make some sense as well. Real quick from an Eagles perspective, though, I had an angle on this one before this trade pot came up that what if they would have drafted Nolan Smith? And not that they need more D-line help, but they always do. And my thought was Nolan, leader, captain, you know what your job is? Rush the passer off the edge and take care of your buddy Jalen Carter. <laughs> you guys can room together. Yeah, yeah. There's just bring the whole Georgia coaching staff too. Right. Sure. <laughs> right, 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 right. Bring his bring somebody from his family in if you have to. Make sure the Jalen Carter pick works out for you. Yeah, if you are the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the, the Eagles have a lot of picks though. Do they need more picks, or should they be swinging for for uh, more impact with their selections? That's the question I have about moving out of round one. Um, but it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, so let's go to the pick and find out who James Yarko, the host of Locked On Bucks, traded up for at pick thirty. With the thirtieth pick in the Locked On Podcast Network NFL mock draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select offensive tackle Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. I am James Yarko, one of the hosts of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And things played out exactly as I had hoped they would. As I was making the Bijan Robinson selection, I was working the phones, working to make a trade to jump back into the first round. My sole goal was to get ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. I knew either Darnell Wright or Anton Harrison could probably fall as long as I got ahead of the Chiefs, and it played out perfectly. So the Buccaneers gave the Eagles picks 50, 175, and a 2024 third rounder to jump up to pick number 30 and take Offensive tackle Anton Harrison. So you look at this and you say Tristan Wirfs is probably going to slide to the left side now, but you have a locked and loaded starter on the right side of the offensive line to really solidify what they have going there. So you have Tristan Wirfs, Robert Hainsey, Ryan Jensen, probably Aaron Stinney at right guard, and now Anton Harrison 
over at right tackle. Now you have a much more formidable offensive line to protect Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask and to open up those rushing lanes for B. John Robinson as well as Rashad White. Cost was a little steeper than I had hoped for, but in order to secure an offensive tackle and a one-two first-round punch of a top-five prospect in Robinson and a plug-and-play starter in Anton Harrison, the Bucks are coming away from this draft very happy. For more on this and all things Buccaneers, check out my co-host David Harrison and I on the Locked On Bucks podcast five days a week right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Bucks passed on an offensive lineman to pick 19. They got their guy, though, at pick 30, Anton Harrison, to complete round one for Tampa. Let's find out more about Anton Harrison, a late riser in this process from John Williams and Josh Helmer of Locked On Sooners. Anton Harrison, offensive tackle, Oklahoma Sooners. He was a three-year starter for the Sooners, playing primarily on the left side. This is John Williams and Josh Helmer of the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Josh, tell us about Anton Harrison. Somebody that started a lot of football at the University of Oklahoma, primarily left tackle each of the last couple of years and did not allow very many pressures. I think uh, the number is nine pressures that he allowed uh, this past season at Oklahoma. So very, very successful in that way. 34 inch uh, on, on the arms, the arm length. So that's a, that's a good number for an offensive tackle. So he's, he's rangy in that way, obviously very, very good in pass protection. So going to make somebody happy keeping those uh, talented edge rushers in the national football league away from said quarterback. And he really stepped up his ability as a run blocker in 2022, helping Eric gray have a career year uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners going to make somebody very happy in the NFL at left tackle. Let's go back to Locked On NFL Draft co-host Damian Parson on the fit and the completion of this plan for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who passed on O-line at 19 but got their guy at 30 in Anton Harrison. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are back on the board, trading back into the first round to select Oklahoma Oklahoma offensive tackle, I'm sorry, Anton Harrison. He's an athletic guy, good arm length. He has power to his game. And I, I remember one of the pass rushers down in, in Indy at the combine saying he was the best tackle he faced in 2022. So this young man can move well laterally. He can get out into the vertical set game. He can move bodies in the, in the, in the run game as well, wash guys down, get out to the second and third levels as a puller and a screen option. Man, I think this is a good move to improve that that offensive line, that left tackle position, they need help there. Keep Tristan Wirfs at right. I like this pick. Up next is the Kansas City Chiefs as well as the winners and losers in round one. All the picks post round one as well for those teams without a first round pick. How will the Chiefs continue to build their Super Bowl roster in our Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special? Find out next. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process. Whether you are just getting out of college, like uh, whether you're a draft prospect at the NFL or, or getting into the work world, entering the workforce for the first time, whether you've already been in the workforce for years and built a life for yourself, it's not over. We're always growing. We're always changing. And getting to know yourself is a lifelong process. And there's a lot of ups and downs during that process. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness, understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do at certain times until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. It's time to finish up round one of the Locked On 
NFL mock draft special. Still more picks to come in round two and three from those teams that did not have first round picks. But it is Super Bowl champion locked on Chiefs host Ryan Tracy that's ready to go with the selection at pick 31. How are we feeling about the Chiefs? Do they have needs? What do you get from the team that's got everything seemingly? I think Nolan Smith should be in play. I keep bringing him up. He's my highest-ranked dude. I think Will McDonald would be similar as well. They're both a lot different than Karloftis, their first-round pick last year. They're more bendy, explosive-type guys, true-edge players. Would Jalen Hyatt scare the heck out of the rest of the league, you know, just with Mahomes' deep abilities? And a really interesting fit that I don't think will happen I really like Luke Musgrave. Could you imagine having him learn from Kelsey? And with all the two and three tight end sets they played last year with Tyreek out of the picture, you know, Musgrave becomes your two and then your successor. Yeah, I, I want to piggyback off that. I really like that, man. I didn't even think about Luke Musgrave to the Chiefs, but I want to continue to throw chaos in there, right? How about running back from Alabama, Jameer Gibbs? Ooh, Put him with okay. Isaiah Pacheco, just a, another weapon thing. Somebody you could do really crazy things with, right? And then you pair that with Kadarius Tony, right? You're talking about short area quickness. They'll probably have the top short area quickness team in the NFL. So I, I think drafting a Jameer Gibbs, it, it almost tells every other defensive coordinator in the NFL, Good luck trying to stop us. Yeah, I think Andy Reid could do a thing or two with him. <laughs> a lot of options there. They're, they're all scary, too. Like, I hate I, I cringe every time. I'm like, ugh. Nobody wants to that. Kind of hitting the seam while Kelsey's doing the other knee stuff. I don't like that. Right. Kids definitely don't like that. Uh, Jalen Hyatt with, with his ability down the field. That's scary as well with Patrick Mahomes. Um, of course, they could go to the defensive side of the, fall, uh, side of the ball as well. But uh, the pick is in, so let's find out. Last pick in round one, 31 overall, Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs. With the 31st and final selection of the first round, the Kansas City Chiefs select Edge from Georgia, Nolan Smith. I'm Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs, and this has been a fun exercise. And after both Darnell Wright and Anson Harris go off the board, it leaves the Kansas City Chiefs in a situation that they didn't find themselves in or didn't expect to find themselves in. And in doing so, it has to leverage the fact that Steve Spagnuolo and Joe Cullen, who likes to run a 3-4, are working together to reform this defense. That means that there's a lot of possibility for a hybridization here. And while I think a 3-4 is what fits Nolan Smith best, he is an edge rusher, period. They can scheme him up, and that is exactly what they will do in an effort to pair with George Karloftis on the far side that they uh, drafted at Ed's last year. They now have a pair, and yes, they can tool it around so that Nolan Smith can come free and do what he does best, and that is attack the passer. This is going to help the Kansas City Chiefs get down the road and get a balance to kind of go with what they have with the offensive genius that is Patrick Mahomes and try to get back to another Super Bowl. Successful selection for the Kansas City Chiefs. You can hear more about it on Locked On Chiefs with me and Chris Clark every day, five days a week, every time you want to tune in. So confirmed to James Yarko of Locked On Bucks that Anton Harrison was on the list and that he needed to get in front of the Kansas City Chiefs to make that selection with the trade up to number 30. But I think Ryan Tracy was okay letting Nolan Smith fall to them at 31 for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, for some reaction to the Nolan Smith pick, we're going to go back to the Locked On war room there and and see how they're and it sounds like maybe some folks that don't like the selection. Maybe Peter Bukowski doesn't like the fit for Kansas City and Nolan Smith. I'm not a huge Nolan Smith guy, but on a defense where they're going to scheme up so much pressure and they're going to they're going to they're going to scheme up Nolan Smith free and you're like there's just nothing you're going to be he's going to kill people back there. Like it's just his burst, his explosiveness is incredible and if you have even if he's just taking half a man because you're like not exactly sure where your protection is supposed to go, he can be such a killer while he figures out the rest of what he has to do from a pass rush standpoint. This, this is, this is, I don't, I don't like this at all. <laughs> he doesn't like it all for the rest of the league. That's what it is. Uh, not so much for the Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting too, with Nolan Smith as a prospect, Keith, because he's got so much burst and explosion, but he's a sub 240 pound guy as an edge rusher. Doesn't have a ton of sack production either. Uh, you know, if you get him a free look, he can close on the quarterback in an instant. But I don't know where to put him. I can see him as high as number eight overall to the to the Atlanta Falcons. But I could see him falling to the even into round two, just because, again, another one of these size outliers in this NFL draft class. 
Yeah, and he's one of the prospects that's most tricky for me. We talked about clean prospects in the, you know, the past episodes. This is the opposite of clean, right? Like, I think this is a projection. You notice a guy that ran a 4-3. You're talking about high-character guy. Um, the explosiveness is on film, but the sack production is not there. But I do agree with Peter when he talked about being able to scheme things open. If you give this guy free runs at the quarterback, you give him a gap, you know, that he has to get into, whether that's slants or twists and stunts. This is a guy that should thrive in those type of situation so um nolan smith i think is he, he is a project in the sense of the fact of his best years are yet to come but i do like him in the kansas city chiefs defense i can certainly see why he's polarizing but the chiefs are often playing with a lead often at home in a very loud stadium i mean dealing with his get off is gonna be nasty and frankly in a vacuum i think the super bowl champs got the 15th best player in this draft at 31. Checking back in with Locked On Bulldogs host Daniel Monroe on edge rusher Nolan Smith. What is up, everybody? Daniel Monroe from the Locked On Bulldogs podcast talking about Nolan Smith, edge defender from the University of Georgia. Nolan Smith is a guy that only played really half of the season in his senior year in Athens, came back to try to go back to back as national champions and obviously helped his team to do that, but suffered an injury. Um, uh, Nolan Smith has never been a stat sheet filler in his career at University of Georgia. But then on that pro day at the combine, he showed what an an absolute freak athlete he is uh, running by far the fastest 40 time at his position and looking absolutely untouchable in all those drills and positions. May have vaulted himself into the upper half of the first round. I think Nolan Smith is a is a super high character guy with obviously elite physical traits as well and would be a great fit in any NFL locker room. More on edge rusher Nolan Smith from Damian Parson, co-host of Locked On NFL Draft. The Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs select Nolan Smith, edge rusher out of Georgia. You talk about pet championship pedigree, meaning championship pedigree. Nolan Smith is a twitched up, explosive, and physical edge rusher. He sets the edge in the run game. Losing Frank Clark, that's going to be a, a that leaves a big void on that defense. I think Nolan Smith can step in with his explosiveness. Right, four three nine, four three eight in the forty. He's explosive. He's agile. He has good arm length. He's really elite and setting the run, even as 235 pounds. But also you think about giving a, 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 a difference on, on the opposite side of George Carlathis. He's a different style rusher. He's the fastball. He's the lightning to that power and to that thunder. So I like this move by the reigning defending Super Bowl champion. Round one is done, but more to come on the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. We've got picks for all those teams that did not select in round one, in round two, in round three. The first selections for every team in the NFL there. But first, let's recap round one here and and talk about some winners and losers. Before we get to your winners and losers, your big thoughts in round one and, and all the picks made here, 31 of those picks so far. I want to go back to the conversation about outliers and how odd this draft is. And it was the first pick with Bryce Young and the last pick in the first round with Nolan Smith and tons of tons of guys in between. We're talking about undersized edge rushers, undersized defensive tackles, 280-pound defensive tackles, 170-pound wide receivers. How are teams going to deal with the size limitations? Because there are certain GMs that are old school that, that don't mess with that, and they won't draft them that high. Are we going to see potentially some of these size outliers fall a lot further than we expect, guys? Or are we going to see teams just say, well, we've got to take what the college game has given us, and maybe this will be the, the first of many drafts where we start to see more smaller and smaller players entering the NFL. Uh, or maybe we might see some players at the end of round one we didn't expect that do meet the height, weight, speed, and the size category that, that some GMs are looking for because they just won't touch the smaller players. So uh, I, I think that's going to be a really big factor in this entire NFL draft. And, and we saw multiple picks in the first round that historically just don't fit with uh, with, with size. So, so Keith, what, what are your thoughts on, on the size of all of these players? And and if some of them might drop or if we're just seeing a new age in the NFL? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a gamble. And I think 
general managers are more comfortable with taking undersized players because the game is played so much in space and it's about passing the football and, you know, less about running the football. But I would be afraid of this. If we've seen over last year and the year before where there's kind of been more of a shift toward big on big, people moving people out the way, the running game is being more implemented. So those teams like the Detroit Lions, right, who took Kalaja Kansi and then the Seattle Seahawks who took Tommy Adabari, like, how are you going to negotiate that, right? Like having 200 and you know, sub 290 defensive tackles playing on the interior of your defensive line. So that I think it'll be interesting to see what direction does the NFL continue to, to trend towards. Is it getting back to running the football or are we going to stay with these heavy passing games? Yeah, and BP, I mean, one of my favorite things about the draft is you just learn so much about what the league thinks, not even about these specific players, but just as an overthought, where the league's going, it changes very rapidly, and I think we'll learn a lot. I don't have a prediction on those outliers, but I think we'll learn a lot about how the league views them. Are they more willing now than ever? I'm sure they are, but how willing? And the other thing people don't think about is, you know, having been in an NFL building, every team has a grading system, and sometimes when there's an outlier, offensive tackles' arms are too short. Uh, wide receivers too short, whatever it is, there's a limit to what grade you can put on that player. You know, like uh, old school Patriot, you know, style of uh, scouting, you can, for outliers, they can only go so high on your board. I mean, you can only put a B or a B plus. You can't put an A plus on those guys. So, you know, just to kind of give, give us some perspective there, that stuff's really important. It's really interesting. Do either one of you have overall winners or losers and a big takeaway from what a team did here in this mock draft in the first round? I have a couple quick teams just to spit out real quick. Is The Eagles got the best player in the draft in Jalen Carter and had, were the best pass rushing team in the league last year. That in itself is a win for me. The Colts get Richardson without having to move. I mean, that could be, could be a disaster, but it could be a franchise-changing pick without having to move. The Bills pick up DeAndre Hopkins by only moving down seven spots. I love that. And the Bengals get to sit there and do nothing and get what I think is an elite right tackle prospect in Darnell Wright. Yeah, the, and the, the three teams for me, I like the Atlanta Falcons picking up Christian Gonzalez. Right now you kind of have a three-headed monster at the cornerback position. I like what the Green Bay Packers did picking up Josh Allen and, and Michael Mayer so you're able to address the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the football. And then the last team that I want to bring up is the Dallas Cowboys. Like I said, just adding another weapon with Zay Flowers, Brandon Cooks, CeeDee Lamb. I think that gives them real versatility to be able to make some things happen in their pass game for the 2023 NFL season. The draft dudes are standing by with their thoughts on round one. Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino to wrap up their thoughts on every team's pick in the first round of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Kyle, the the team that I can't stop thinking about is the Green Bay Packers. I love what they were able to get done. First of all, they move back from 15 to 24. They acquire Josh Allen, the edge rusher from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And obviously, I think that's a big impact player for their defensive front, a lot of versatility. He can rush, he can play in space, and there's uh, just a lot of fun elements that he can add to what is already a pretty versatile defense in so many different ways. But on top of that, they're able to still get Michael Mayer, tight end from Notre Dame in the first round, and I think that they've needed a tight end for a long time there in Green Bay, and and Michael Mayer is very much a do-everything player where you feel very comfortable with him playing in-line and blocking and running routes from an in-line alignment, but you can also detach him from the formation, have him work from the slot, and there's just a natural competitive demeanor about him. Love the way he catches the football. Love the way that he competes as a blocker. Love the way that he competes with the ball in his hands. Just a really high-floor player that I really have no questions about him being able to come in and be a really outstanding starting tight end for this offense. And, you know, as Jordan Love takes over, for Aaron Rodgers, we presumably think that will be the case. I think having a player like this will be huge to keep him on schedule. They got a lot of explosive down-the-field receivers in Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs and, and even Samari Toure to an extent where this guy, I think, gives them a little bit more in the short to intermediate areas, can win in the middle of the field and provide a very nice security blanket for Jordan Love as he takes over his first season as a starting quarterback. So I'm going to keep things on the NFC side of the league. And I really love what the Seattle Seahawks were able to do. Did anybody get more dynamically explosive on the defensive front than adding Tyree Wilson 
and Tommy Atabare on the same draft, and then you get Will Levis by trading up from your early second round pick, you really think about Seattle and what kind of growth that team showed in the back end of the defense with Tariq Woolen and uh, uh, they, they suffered the injury to Jamal Adams, but then you also simultaneously saw these other emergences from another young player in Kobe Bryant in that backfield. And, and Bobby Wagner has come back now in free agency. And this was a playoff team last year. A lot of young players on the offensive side of the ball with their two offensive tackles in, in Lucas and Cross and Kenneth Walker at the running back position. And now you've really started to beef up what you have up front on the interior of that defensive front. You talk about the hybrid versatility and and what they have in guys like Daryl Taylor who can stand up and rush the passer. They paid Draymond Jones a lot of money to come here. This the Seattle Seahawks team in general, I think, is really starting to round into form after what was supposed to be the regression year last year, and they made the playoffs. I would expect this team, especially in an NFC West, where you look at the Rams and the Cardinals as teams that are going through transition years this year, this is a team that's got a legit chance to win like 10, 11 football games this year, I think. And these young guys, if they have any level of success in this class with these first round picks, and you won't see Will Levis probably this year unless Geno Smith gets hurt, but Adabari and Tyree Wilson as additions to this defensive front, I really love the vision for what you've got when you complement that with the other players that you've brought into the mix between Draymond Jones, Bobby Wagner, and then the young nucleus that was in place. Now it's time for round two and three of this NFL mock draft special. We're not going through every pick in those rounds, but we will hear from every team's host that did not have a selection in round one. So all 32 teams represented with their first pick in the NFL draft on this mock draft special. And the first of those teams is Joe Marino and the Buffalo Bills. We're going to get uh, his reaction to the trade, why he made the trade that he did getting out of round one, find out who the Bills select at the beginning of round two. And then we'll hear from picks from the Los Angeles Rams, Miami Dolphins, who forfeited their first round pick, which is why we haven't heard from them yet. The Denver Broncos traded out of round one when they went and got their future franchise quarterback last offseason. The Cleveland Browns and San Francisco 49ers came into this draft without first round picks and the Niners without a second round pick. And the Minnesota Vikings and New Orleans Saints traded out of round one completely. So all those teams will be making their first selections. But let's start with the Buffalo Bills and Joe Marino. Who is the selection for the Buffalo Bills at the top of round two at pick 34? And why make the move out of round one? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, obviously the Bills need, in my opinion, an upgrade to Gabe Davis as the number two target. And you absolutely get that in DeAndre Hopkins, who, and I've studied his tape before making the trade so I can have a feel for what the skill set actually is. And he's still the same guy in terms of hands and ball skills that he's always been. But I think he's really evolved as a route runner where there's just a lot of nuance to the way that he taxes route stems and understands leverage and is very, very deceptive. And the fact that he's never been reliant on athleticism gives me a lot of hope for how he's going to age. And look, we're giving up basically a third round pick here for him. And if we can get two years of production out of him to go with Diggs, to go with Josh Allen, I think that you put yourself in a position from uh, a supporting cast perspective with your weapons that there's no excuses in terms of, well, Josh Allen, go figure it out, right? He's got Hopkins. He's got Diggs. He's got Dawson Knox. He's got other receivers. I feel like this is that type of move that, the Bills need to make here to maximize their opportunity to go win the Super Bowl. With the 34th pick in the Lockdown NFL Mock Draft, the Buffalo Bills select linebacker Jack Campbell from Iowa. I'm Joe Marino, host of the Lockdown Bills podcast. With Tremaine Edmonds departing in free agency for a massive payday with the Chicago Bears, it left a massive hole in the middle of the Bills' defense, and the team has yet to make a move to replace him. Jack Campbell is that ideal replacement with all the size and athleticism you can want. Jack Campbell has the makings of a player the Bills are going to love. He was the two-time defensive MVP at Iowa, a consensus All-American, won all the coaches' appreciation awards, and was very accomplished in the classroom. The skill set here, the intangibles, they're perfect for a Bills defense that promises to have a different look and feel now that Sean McDermott is taking over as the play caller. You talk about leadership skills. 
through the roof. Kirk Ferentz has talked about many players throughout the day and the leadership they bring. I don't think there's anybody higher than Jack Campbell. Production, oh, he's got that as well. I'm Trent Condon with the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast as we take a look at the NFL draft prospect in Jack Campbell. He can absolutely hit. He can cover the field, and he's got size. Six foot five. He is built like an old school linebacker. He runs like a new school linebacker, and he is as good of a leader as you're going to find. The Buffalo Bills moving back into the second round, and they select their linebacker, Jack Campbell, instinctive. He's a throwback guy. You think of the Brian Erlackers of the world, just that old school Mike that has good, good enough athleticism. He's not a top-tier level athlete, but the instincts are there. The vision is there. This guy can move from hash to ha- hash to sideline, and he can go from B-gap to B-gap, and one thing he does well is trigger downhill in the run game, and you need that type of player on the uh, the second level of your defense, and one thing that the Buffalo Bills need to do is improve that run defense, improve that physicality and toughness, Jack Campbell does that. With the 36th pick in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft, the Los Angeles Rams will select Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback from Mississippi State. Here's why the Rams need to make sure that they go get Forbes for a variety of reasons. Number one, the Rams have all sorts of issues on the defensive side of the ball. They still have a good content or a good amount of offensive players. You still have Aaron Donald on defense, but with all of the departures, namely Jalen Ramsey, during this offseason, the Rams need to rebuild their defense and starting with that back line. They need to get better at the corners. No Jalen Ramsey puts a ton of pressure on everyone else. I love that Forbes is coming from the SEC where he's played in some big-time games in his career. What's happening, everybody? Chris Gordy here to talk about Emmanuel Forbes, the best ball-hawking cornerback in this draft, in my opinion. Six interceptions this past season, 14 picks in his three seasons in Starkville, was the active career leader in interceptions in the FBS. Six of those 14 picks he had were returned for touchdowns. He was a guy who was a four-star recruit, was an SEC All-Freshman selection, a second-team AP All-America selection this past year. He's a durable player, has played in almost every game of his career, including the ReliaQuest Bowl this year, which he could have opted out of. May not be the best cover corner in this draft, but he makes plays, man. He uses his length, gets his hands on a lot of balls, rarely ever gets beaten coverage. He's a solid tackler, had three games last season, won six or more tackles for a corner. That's a lot. A good comp for him is probably Cam Dantzler, who's another former Bulldog who's been great in the NFL. Maybe even a little bit more like Jair Alexander, a little bit smaller, but a guy who just had five picks last season in the NFL. But whoever drafts Emmanuel Forbes, you should be very happy with your team selection. The Los Angeles Rams traded away Jalen Ramsey, leaving that CB1 role wide open. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State is one of my guys, one of Dame's dudes, if I should say the least. The young man is the FBS leader in pick sixes. Six of them, his instincts, his ball skills. He's a he's a little bit of a gambler. He can be sticky in, in man-to-man coverage, but he does show the instincts and the ability to manipulate and bait quarterbacks when he's sitting in zone. And this is a young man, a former receiver that plays cornerback, and you could see it translate to the field. So I think he has a really good chance to be a day-one starter. He's a little thin, but when you think about trying to cover these athletic receivers, 4-3-5, I believe he ran at the combine. This is a good fit, in my opinion. Hey, everybody. Luke Brown here from Locked On Vikings, waiting all the way till the second round to pick. And I am perfectly OK with that because somebody I would have gladly taken in the first round fell all the way out of it. And that is Cam Smith, the cornerback out of South Carolina. Um, the Vikings are really, really hurting for corners who can play an off man. They are the, the cupboard is bare, at least as of this uh, recording. So. I'm really, really looking for a corner. A wide receiver would have been good, too. Didn't love uh, any of the options as much as I love Cam Smith. The reason I like him is because he is a patient cornerback. Um, When you watch him play in off coverage, he really uses his cushion to as a, a way of buying himself time to read the running or the, to read the receiver and the route that he is running. Uh, and then react to it rather than some young corners. You see them start 10 yards off and backpedal to maintain all 10 yards of that cushion. And then the ball gets caught 10 yards in front of them. That's not Cam Smith. He uses that to uh, create really sticky tight man coverage in a scheme like Brian Flores is with a lot of cover zero, a lot of cover one. That means you're going to have to be playing man a lot. 
And if you're in cover zero with no safety help, you're going to be off a lot. So I, that skill set is really important to me. I think Cam Smith is a phenomenal fit for the Vikings. Could not be more thrilled that he fell all the way out of the first round where the Vikings could get him. Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Cam Smith is a defensive back that's got three big time traits that every NFL staff is looking for. He's got great movement in his lower body, can flip his hips and break in and out of cuts quite easily. He's also versatile. He played both slot corner and outside corner in the toughest conference in all college football in the SEC. And lastly, he's got that dog in him. If you've seen that video from him talking about the Tennessee Volunteers this past fall, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Needless to say, there's no question that the NFL is getting a good one in Cam Smith. I'm Andrew Lyon covering your South Carolina Gamecocks every day. The Minnesota Vikings selecting South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith. He's going to bring an attitude to this defense. He plays with a swag, and you need that. He's physical. He's a twitchy uh, kind of mover in press coverage, athletic, explosive athlete that can battle at the catch point. But also, when you get him in press, you can play him in off. You watch the tape versus Tennessee. He does a good job playing off coverage and triggering down to close on anything that Jalen Hyatt ran and, and any passes that he caught underneath and, and um, preventing the deep throw. So I think this is a – Good fit for, for Minnesota, and I think he would fit well with Brian Flores, man-to-man type of offense, and that physical style of play. With the 40th selection in the locked-on NFL mock draft, the New Orleans Saints select defensive tackle Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. This is effectively who I wanted to take at 29, but when I was given the opportunity to pick up two more second round selections, 48 and 55 from the Detroit Lions, it was an easy choice to do what the Saints haven't done for uh, since 2007 in trading back so that I could get three second round picks in this draft where the meat of the draft is. Feels like, at least, the second and third rounds. Mozzie Smith, though, he's going to give me a guy that I could plug into the middle of the defensive line. He's going to be a big-time run stopper, but also has a lot of untapped potential in the pass-rushing game. So now I get to clog the middle with him, but also get after the opponent's quarterbacks right up the middle, where it's most efficient to get after them in the first place. Very excited to add Mozzie Smith to this New Orleans Saints revamped defensive line. I'm Isaiah Hole from Locked On Wolverines, here to discuss defensive tackle Mozzie Smith from Michigan. Mozzie Smith was the tip of the spear is what they called him uh, as far as the defense is considered. Now, he has really come along in the last several years. He commanded double teams once he finally got his opportunity. And what's more, he developed into a vocal leader. Even though he is a man of few words, He is a guy who galvanized the entire Wolverines defense after the departure of Aiden Hutchinson, who helped Michigan overcome a lot of its issues in beating Ohio State and winning a Big Ten championship. Mozzie Smith continued that leadership. What he has is the ability to really clog up the middle, get a little bit of pressure from the inside. Now, he wasn't a guy who got a lot of sacks or anything like that, but he is a guy that can you can set your defense around up in the front. And he's got strength unparalleled from what a lot of other defensive tackles have coming into the 2023 NFL draft. Michigan defensive lineman Mozzie Smith is headed to the Bayou, heading to the New Orleans Saints. And I like this pick. You get a guy that can play one tech or three tech with his physicality, with his power, with his anchor ability to anchor at the point of attack in the run game. And in 2022 at Michigan, he flashed some moves and quickness to penetrate on the interior offensive line and get into the face of the quarterback and move off his spot and disrupt timing in the passing game. So I think you add him to this interior defensive line, which they've lost David Onyemata, and I believe another interior defensive lineman as well. Getting Mazze Smith, that's a nice you know, a nice uh, addition to this defensive line. And I think he can be a three down player potentially. Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. And with the 51st pick of this 2023 Locked On mock draft, the Miami Dolphins are selecting offensive lineman Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. The Dolphins have needs at both left guard and right tackle. And while the value here at 51 may or may not break the Dolphins' way in an event in which Matthew Bergeron slides to 51, He's a no-brainer choice for the Dolphins because of his positional versatility. There's some that project him inside a guard. There's some that project him outside a tackle. 
and he's played both sides of the offensive line throughout the course of his career at Syracuse, making him a very attractive piece to add to the Dolphins' offensive line as they continue to retool around to a tongue of Aloha and look to find their best combination of five starters to play up front in the trenches. If Bergeron's a part of the pit mix, it's hard to imagine he's not one of the five best options available to start up front. Syracuse offensive lineman Matthew Bergeron might be one of the most underrated players in this 2023 draft class. Hi, I'm Owen Valentine, host of Locked On Syracuse. And Matthew Bergeron is a guy from, yes, it's Syracuse. Yes, it's a down ACC, but the edge rushers that he was going against game in and game out have put him through the absolute ringer and he has handled it exceeding expectations game in and game out. This is a guy with footwork, a guy with unbelievable pass protection skills, a guy that has all the athletic tools, the build that he needs. Does he need a little bit of refining in the run game? Yeah, no doubt about it, but he has everything in terms of potential, in terms of skills, in terms of assets to be able to work that out immediately. The Miami Dolphins add an offensive tackle to this roster. Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, a guy with good arm length. He moves well. What I love is his physicality and his power in the run game. I watched him move guys off the ball. I watched him down up close and personal, down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and he impressed me on tape and at the All-Star event. I think this could be a home run type of hit for the, for the uh, Miami Dolphins in the second round, especially because you need someone else to play. Now, again, he could play. He's a natural left tackle uh, on tape, but could he move over to the right side? I believe he's athletic enough to do so and pair well with Teron Armstead. With the 67th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select offensive tackle Blake Freeland out of BYU. I'm Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos, and here's why the Broncos made this pick in this draft in particular. For the Broncos, they need depth help at the offensive tackle position. They lost Calvin Anderson, who was a starter and also key backup player if, in fact, a starter were to go down. They lost him in free agency. They have nobody right now outside of Isaiah Prince who could fit the mold if Garrett Bowles or Mike McGlinchey were to go down to step up. Blake Freeland, he's a hoss, man. He is a physical, smash-mouth style of football player, aggressive in the run game, good pass protector as well. Fits the identity for what new head coach Sean Payton envisions for this offense. Pounding the rock. He will bring that toughness to the table. He is not a guy who will start year one, but if the Broncos were to move on from Garrett Bowles, he could be a guy that does step up in a year or two and starts in his place and could fill that gap if a player does get injured. Blake Freeland, offensive tackle, BYU. The two words that come to my mind when I think of Freeland are untapped potential. Hi, everybody. Jake Hatch, host of Locked On Cougars, covering all things BYU right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. The reason I say there is untapped potential for Blake Freeland is because we already know he has elite length, elite size, and elite athleticism as evidenced by his NFL combine and pro day workouts. But what most NFL fans may not know is this is a young man who has only played offensive tackle for four years. It is true. He was an all-state performer in basketball in high school, a state champion in the throws in high school as well. But when it came to high school football, he played quarterback, defensive end, even some punter, but never along the offensive front. He's developed in the past four years at BYU into an elite pass protector, giving up just two sacks over the past two seasons combined. He also has great familiarity with zone run schemes, which will fit nicely into an NFL franchise. I believe his career is destined to start on the right side of the offensive line, but I do believe if an NFL team can draw out that a potential in him. His ceiling is a franchise icon level left tackle down the road. The best is yet to come for this young man, and I cannot wait to see it develop over the next few years in the NFL. The Denver Broncos continue to add to their offensive line on day two of the NFL draft with Blake Freeland out of BYU. With Freeland, he's athletic. He's a guy that if you want to be a speed rusher and attack the outside edges and outside shoulder and leverage, he's going to wash you around you know, wash you around the arc and allow his quarterback to step up in the pocket. He does that very well. Uh, even for a taller guy, he has good arm length where he can punch. He can kind of quick set and jump set guys and meet them at the apex and don't allow them to gear up to convert speed to power. Now, I do have some concerns of how high he went because I view him more of a day three type of prospect because of the rigidness in his movements and his hips. But 
Overall, I like the pick. This is Jeff Lloyd, host of the Locked On Browns podcast, making the 74th overall selection in the Locked On NFL mock draft. The Cleveland Browns select defensive tackle Keanu Benton from the University of Wisconsin, six foot three, 309 pounds. Relative athletic score of 8.9 shows the ability there. Former high school wrestler, his final two years in high school, won over 90 varsity wrestling matches. It shows on tape the athleticism. It shows on tape the leverage ability. 36 tackles last year at Wisconsin, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks. This is a player whose game is growing. Jim Schwartz needs some dogs on that defensive line. Andrew Berry has helped him thus far and will continue to help him in the 2023 NFL Draft. Keanu Benton, nose guard, University of Wisconsin, an elite high school wrestler. Benton has really translated that leverage skill and those balance skills and that power that you need in wrestling to the interior of the defense line at the college level. Hi, I'm Ryan Herring, here with the Locked On Badgers. And with Benton, what you're getting is really an immovable force, a physical, powerful interior defense alignment that's going to hold up two double teams, really clog up opposing teams' running games. And even at the NFL level, which is now much more of a passing league, He's going to allow linebackers and other players on the defense to scrape free, get to the pass rusher, because he's going to occupy blockers. He's also an underrated pass rusher. You're talking about an interior defense alignment at 310 pounds. I had four and a half sacks last year, had over 10 tackles for loss. So he gives you some true three, uh, three down ability, but primarily he's going to come into the league and he is going to really clog up the interior of uh, opposing teams, rushing attacks and, and put def- our opposing offenses into third and long. The Cleveland Browns select one of Dame's dudes, Keanu Benton, defensive tackle out of Wisconsin, physical, powerful young man, body control, a former uh, state uh, champion or runner-up in wrestling in high school, and you see that with his ability to handle uh, two-gap and handle double teams and corkscrew and anchor and plant his feet, but also he has flashes of um, uh, of high-level pass rush reps where he's able to win quickly with double-hand swipes, long arm over, or just put bull rushing, pushing the, the interior offensive lineman into the lap of the quarterback, and with Miles Garrett, I think Keanu Benton would serve well to be lined up beside him. I think this is a good pick, good pick for the Cleveland Browns. With the 99th overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa. Uh, the 49ers have a sneaky positional need at the tight end position outside of George Kittle. Uh, George Kittle has been truly amazing, an all-pro, talented tight end. But outside of him, they really haven't gotten much out of the tight end two position. And when jo- when George Kittle goes down, they're in even more trouble. All right, so who can kind of fill that void? None other than a guy out of Iowa, as was uh, George Kittle as well, who can play multiple roles in the offense. You see him as kind of this hammer, uh, off-the-ball guy coming across, blocking edge rushers, blocking defensive linemen. They split him out wide. They flex him out at the tight end position and play him more in the slot as a receiver. And he has some untapped potential as a route runner. You see he has the ability, ran in the four fives at the combine, terrific three cone for somebody his size, six, three and a half, and around 245 pounds that he weighed in at. So he's not the biggest of guys. And I think if there is like a weakness I've seen so far in his film study is that he can be a little bit stronger at the point of attack. But nonetheless, terrific effort, terrific ability, nice, soft pass catcher. And I think a team like the 49ers can get him out in space more and do some really good things there with him. He does a good job of blocking at the second level. I think he's a guy that fits the mold of what Kyle Shanahan wants his offense to be. Tough, gritty versatile. So Sam Laporta, he is now a San Francisco 49er. Sam Laporta, tight end out of the University of Iowa. Another in a long line of great Hawkeye tight ends. Certainly put together an impressive numbers throughout his career and did it with an inept offense. Now some of that also, you look at some of the numbers for Laporta, that is because there just weren't a whole lot of options on the outside at the wide receiver position coupled with some inept quarterback play over the last couple of seasons, but he put up numbers. Work to still do for him as a blocker, but an intriguing prospect that certainly is going to be able to help teams. And you know, Iowa tight ends throughout the years, they're ready to play right away. I'm Trent Condon with the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Watch every single one of the snaps that Sam Laporta played during his career. Durable and still upside to his game and a great NFL draft 
four tight ends. I still think there is more to do. He can become a better blocker and certainly can make plays in the passing game. Should be a fun watch this year. Sam Laporta in the NFL draft. The San Francisco 49ers select Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa. They double dip in the Iowa pool. Man, listen, adding, adding Sam Laporta to this offense with George Kittle, another Iowa tight end. Sam Laporta is a fluid mover. He he transitions so well from catch to run phase like a receiver. He's fluid. He's smooth. He runs good routes. He, you could detach him from the line of scrimmage. He does block pretty well. I think you could put him out at, at Cena out wide against safeties and even some corners, man. I love Sam Laporta. And with this pick, I think this is not only great value, this is a steal. Shout out to the San Francisco 49. Well, clearly the best selection after round one was my co-host for Locked On 49ers, Eric Crocker's pick of Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa. And much like the 2017 draft, guys, it's a really good tight end draft, which means there's a lot of depth there, which means there might be better tight ends later than there should be. And we saw the 49ers pluck George Kittle out of the 2017 draft. Can they do it again? Going back to Iowa with Sam Laporta. Great pick by Kroc. I love it. Uh, let's keep the tight end pipeline going from Iowa to San Francisco. Sam Laporta, really good fit for the 49ers. Uh, what picks did you like or not about the rest of those second and third round selections? I like that the Bills got Jack Campbell. I mean, he's an obvious Edmonds replacement. The Rams' defense, I mean, outside of Aaron Donald and maybe a name or two, is just littered with replacement-level starters. So anyone they can get makes sense. And Emmanuel Forbes, I think, is a high-level player. Um, I like what Ross did, addressing the defensive line. Their defensive tackle rotation right now is a little frightening. And I think Kyle Krabs did a nice work here, too, picking up Matthew Bergeron. He's one of my favorite linemen in this class. And Miami doesn't have a lot of needs, but one more offensive lineman will go a long way. Yeah, I, I agree, Matt. You you outlined everyone. Um, I think that was really good selections. <laughs> and, and, Brian, you talked about Sam Laporte. I'll say this, man. Sam Laporte is one of my favorite players in this entire draft. I'm not saying that he has the highest grade, but he's one of my favorite players. Definitely somebody I think flies under the radar. And if you're able to grab him in the third round, I, I really like what he can do, especially in that 49ers offense. Yeah, I think most years he might even be a top 50 pick. Yeah. Would – would you be worried, Keith, about Emmanuel Forbes at 166 pounds trying to tackle someone like Debo Samuel twice a year with the Los Angeles Rams defense? Yeah, I would, but I, I would also say this, right, that I'm, I'm not drafting my cornerbacks to be the best tacklers on my defense, right? That That's the other part. If you want a, a tackling corner, draft a linebacker. That's kind of how you know I, I approach that a little bit. But what Emmanuel Forbes offers you is playmaking ability, man. They've been playing college football for almost 200 years, and I think this guy has the NCAA record for pick sixes. So this is a guy that knows how to get the ball in his hands and return it back for six points, which is invaluable. Um, and him going to the Rams, I'm going to tell you, he reminds me of a former Rams cornerback in Marcus Peters. Just because they're they're willing to take gambles, um, they know how to get their hands on a football, and they, they take risks, but at moments they're calculated risks. Looking at Kyle Krabs' selection of Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse in the second round, and shout out to Kyle because last year he had the Miami Dolphins taking Cole Strange, and he was onto something there. Cole Strange shocked everybody, ended up going in the first round. And you know what? Matthew Bergeron might be another one of those, and Kyle does have that keen scouting eye. So um, a nice selection there for for Kyle and and Joe as well from Locked On NFL Scouting. The draft is doing big things. And moving out of the first round to get yourself a linebacker, the first linebacker off the board in Jack. Campbell in Buffalo. Uh, love those picks. I'm Joe Marino. He's Kyle Krabs. We're from the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes and get a chance now to reflect on some of these day two selections that were made and I cannot stop thinking about what the New Orleans Saints were able to get done. First of all, they trade out of the first round and they get picks 48 and 55, but they also already owned pick 40 and they sat there and picked Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle from Michigan. And I am a huge fan of everything about this move from the draft capital that they gained, but also the player that they drafted at Mozzie Smith. You're never going to go wrong investing in the trenches. And I think Mozzie Smith is the second best defensive tackle in this class. He is a monster of a man, over 330 pounds. Number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list 
coming into the season, that's always one of my favorite reads every single year. And it just speaks to the dynamic physical package that he offers. This guy is a, a wrecker, man. I think he could play the one. I think he can play all the way out to the three if you want to situationally. Um, and he is disruptive. He's athletic. I think he can obviously provide a big boost to any team's run defense. But I think he's got a lot of untapped potential as a pass rusher. And I know that he doesn't have a lot of sack production to show from his time at Michigan, but all the tools are present for him to be a guy that can really challenge the depth of the pocket. I think this is a great move for the New Orleans Saints. Well, and you think about the loss of Ayumeta in free agency this year, that this was a need too. Yes. And the Saints have tried to do this thing where they fly close to the sun and thread the needle by drafting replacements to players that they're losing in free agency as they work through their dead cap window and, and continue to perpetuate the the myth that the salary cap is not real, but this is an opportunity for the Saints to really hit a home run with a replacement player in Mozzie Smith, who is not going to take too long in the NFL to declare himself as not a replacement level player at the NFL level. He, I mean, he's going to be a difference maker, like you said, Joe. Uh, I'll give the Bills their flowers here as a job very well done. They also traded out of the first round. They traded pick 27 back to 34 and got wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is a wide receiver addition to have Josh Allen compliment with Stephon Diggs there and that passing offense as the Bills look to take the next step. They've been continuously deep into the AFC playoffs, but looking to take the next step and there's not too many more steps for them left to take. So I think the urgency of acquiring a player like DeAndre Hopkins is the right mentality for the Bills. And then at that pick at 34, they draft Jack Campbell after losing Tremaine Edmonds in free agency. You talk about drafting a replacement for a player you lost, you're going to get exponentially cheaper. And Campbell's another freakishly long athletic linebacker who probably isn't going to be able to do all of the same things that Tremaine Edmonds does as far as the space that he covers for you. But he's going to be able to step into that spot opposite Matt Milano in that Bills base nickel defense and he's going to be able to deconstruct blocks and fill the run between the tackles and still have some range and cover the pass to some degree. So I really like how the Bills took that pick at 27 and turned it into a major upgrade at two spots on the wide receiver 1A or 1B, however you want to classify DeAndre Hopkins, and then the player that they are replacing uh, for the loss of Tremaine. So well done by all involved. And, and you know what, guys? No, no better job was done in this whole mock draft series than my co-hosts here, Matt Williamson and Keith Sanchez. So uh, uh, you weren't too shabby yourself, BP. Appreciate it. Had a lot. Absolutely had a ton of fun. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. All six episodes of the 2023 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Had such a great time going through all these picks from round one all the way through round three for some of these football teams. And uh, make sure that you check out the entire special on both audio and video at the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Locked On NFL Draft, and Locked On NFL Podcast feeds. For Matt Williamson and Keith Sanchez, I'm Brian Peacock. We'll see you next year, hopefully, for the 2024 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the 2023 NFL Mock Draft Special, your ultimate mock draft experience. For the remaining episodes of the opening round selections, check out Locked On NFL Draft, available wherever you get your podcasts. All part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.